Oh, not the thing, not the thing, not the thing. Okay. <laughs> alien, other alien. I'm a skinwalker. Oh, different alien. alien. Yeah. I turn in only pets though, not dog. Onlypets.com. <laughs> only pets. <laughs> only pets. <laughs> Why we are just a, a machine, like a factory oh, of man. great ideas. <laughs> right. That's good. This this will last for 20 minutes. This beer, so it'll be perfect. <laughs> Okay, right. sorry, sorry. It's all good. It's cool. staying in. Yep. Uh, <laughs> hello and welcome to the Disc Dump Podcast. This is the show where we watch movies, play games, or listen to music in an effort to decide, are we going to keep the disc or are we going to dump it? Today I'm joined by some fan favorites, the boys from Kickstart with Matt and Matt. What up, Matt and Matt? I'm so terribly sad to hear that your fans enjoy our commentary, but <laughs> I guess that uh, allows us to continue to be uh, guests. So that's so that's good. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, we're here. We're here. Yes. I- I'm a Matt. And Allegedly. I'm yeah. Allegedly. And you can't prove it. So don't even try. I got an alibi for this whole thing. Um, so actually, uh, I-, I believe we came to this conclusion that you guys are going to be on every episode in November. That's right. Hell yes. Month right. of Matt. That's right. Matt month. <laughs> Matt month. Matt month November. That's There's right. a t-shirt. <laughs> um, and we're going to be... <laughs> Oh, Lord. And we are going to be talking about the Alien franchise. Mm-hmm. Mm, one of the best. Agreed. Tippy top. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, yeah, this uh, the first one here is one of my all-time favorite movies. Concur? I totally agree. It's, I, it's, a, it's solid. Sci-fi horror is probably my favorite genre of films. I love science fiction and I love horror. And the combination of the two is really... There's very few other movies that, are, that reach that pinnacle like Alien. And mm-hmm. the alien, well, alien and aliens does the alien franchise, I mm-hmm. should say. But it, it is a classic for a, a very good reason. It's definitely in my top, uh, like, movies that I'll revisit over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And for a movie made in 79, was it? Something like that. Yeah. It, it, it holds up pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty well. Like, I'd say from a new viewer's perspective, yeah, it, you don't feel the 1970s um, sort of grit. Yeah, like I mean, yes, in style, but not in quality. Right, right. Yeah, it, I think it was very impressive. The that that it, it, you're right. It doesn't really date itself quite as much in in every aspect. There's certain aspects, yeah, but some of the technological stuff, that whole like right. analog future that yeah. we don't live yeah, in yeah. anymore <laughs> that, that they used to think we would. That futuristic technology is wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, Man, but but what you. I also like that kind of covers it is a bit of the like the intro of the story of them that they're like space truckers. Mm-hmm. So in if there was a world in the future where you're using technology that's outdated and antiquated as fuck, right. it's when you're just like debris haul or people. Yes. <laughs> yes. So exactly. That, that lends itself well to the uh, to the whole like retro techno kind of shit that they have it is a space age inev- inevitability really yeah i mean look i work for the government so i know <laughs> we're using 1970s tech right now in 2021 <laughs> so that's not a, big, a far day. cry this is what this takes place like 2070 something so i'm i fully believe that they're gonna be you know typing computer commands to mother that's right yeah, i do that, it 
that was some wild like we can just talk to our phones now and they give us answers mm-hmm. but it was like does not compute sorry we don't know what no. you're talking yeah. about but sometimes it was like so specific like yeah. absolutely yeah i know exactly what you're talking about yep <laughs> how many peptides is go into the amino chain when i'm trying to turn it turn a soup into a, a <laughs> into a salad four potatoes go into a carrot soup <laughs> <laughs> thanks mom for the recipe really i just want to i'm not doing any doctor stuff i just want a recipe <laughs> I feel like that was definitely a missed opportunity by making the ship not talk like your mom. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. What a shame. What a shame. I mean, it's you. You have to uh, have a shortcoming somewhere, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Can't all be roses, rainbows, and sunshine. It's uh, Ridley Scott. That's all right. He's right. <laughs> got a lot of darkness inside of that British mind of his. So um, I'm just gonna. We're kind of gonna go beat for beat here a little bit, but I will just say that the fucking I think it's 40 minutes of this movie. The very beginning are a slog. Like, it's riveting. A little, little it's intense. Bit. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you if you haven't seen it, like it's not bad at all. Yeah. But if you know where it's going, mm-hmm. some tough stuff to just sit and watch, like panning shots of planets that are clearly yeah. like paintings and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> On velvet, no less. Yeah. Yeah, velvet. <laughs> I'm going to wear this after I'm done with it, okay? I've got a coat check number on this bitch. That's right. <laughs> you put this in the movie, then you hand it back to me. That's it. <laughs> so uh, it opens up on one of those planet shots. Um, then the Nostromo is the ship mm-hmm. that they're on. Mm-hmm. And um, so they are wh- – what gets them? Oh, they get uh, – they get. Uh, what do you call it? A like signal, a distress signal, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so the the ship wakes everybody up. They're right. in cryo sleep. A lot of milk in this movie. It's a milky movie. So yeah. much milk, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm surprised you can get through it being lactose intolerant. I just learned that five minutes ago. I offer, I offer Miles some cheese uh, cheese balls, <laughs> some balls of cheese, and he said, "No, thank you. Yep. I have a I have an intolerance to lactose. That's right. I refuse. I refuse I, to tolerate lactose. I, I won't tolerate it. I won't stand for it. You see, because I'm not a cyborg android. That's why." I'm not Ian home. I'm neither a hobbit nor an android. And I'll take none of this. You hear me? <laughs> not even a little bit. Yeah, I love that he was the like robot in this. I'm just like, Bilbo, what yeah, are you yeah, doing? Yeah. You saw a little, little touch of it, though, when he wanted that ring. Yeah, I absolutely him. right. I thought he was Came gonna, back. I thought he was going to... I thought he was going to try to choke Bill, choke Frodo with a magazine. <laughs> Hobbit Weekly. <laughs> Roll that shit up, stuff it down his throat. <laughs> so, um, there's like a super extended version of this that I watched not terribly long ago, not this most recent watch. And there's like 40 minutes of bonus footage, and all of it is him like slowly taking on more humanistic traits by himself yeah and it's like i'm so glad you took this out riveting this movie yeah, yeah. like <laughs> ridley scott has like a fetish for um android human interaction stuff all that's like through blade runner and then further on down the series of this like in prometheus mm-hmm. alien covenant mm-hmm. he's totally totally fascinated with that whole non-human to human interaction thing and what i find interesting is that you say that there is like even way more bonus footage of like ash that's kind of tracks with what we I've come to know about him over the decades of like his filmmaking process mm-hmm. being like just android centric. Yeah. But he's done he's not done it any better than he did in like 
Prometheus, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know how every now and then you ask somebody, like, what's your worst fear? Because you're running out of conversations or whatever. (laughs) And then, (laughs) I mean, this is is normal bus conversation for me. I would love to be stuck in an airplane with Miles. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, what's your worst? Well, like, you sit around a campfire for four days with somebody. You run out of things to talk about. So, you got more wood than topics. <laughs> <laughs> so you like you ask somebody like, "What are your worst fears?" You get the sharks, you get the bears, you get the heights, and then there's always like one asshole who's like, "Dude, robots are so scary mm. right now." Mm. And, and then feel like Ridley Scott's one of those dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boston Dynamics haunts his dreams He's, every night. Watches those little robot dogs walking around every. That's how he counts them to go to sleep at night. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> they're, that is there too. The Boston Dynamics—they're actually the bad guys in Fall out four which is pretty crazy there you go yeah like the whole premise is they're like androids that are among people and everyone's like freaking out because the androids are like bad guys and like that's the whole game so i'm sure ridley scott loves it that's right (laughs) check and check so um then we uh everyone wakes up from hypersleep and has a delicious lunch with uh john hurt i love john hurt Mm -hmm. um and then uh oh so I used to have this Polly Pocket thing. You know how they made like Polly Pockets for Boys Mighty Max? And yes, of course. Yep. One of the very few times I went to Toys R Us, which is a totally crazy tangent, I could go down. Okay. I didn't go right, many right. times, but uh, I got like an alien Polly Pocket. What? It, for, Holy it, fuck! The, it's what? The, it was the shape of the ship, and you could open it on the hinges, and it was like the interior layout. And there's like a part where John Hurt is just permanently stuck to the table and you got one of those like uh, spinny gear dial things yeah. and you could just spin him around on the table what? as much as you want and I'm like eight <laughs> oh my god I, never, I did not have no idea this existed it does yeah when I find it I'll post pictures on oh Instagram oh my god it's amazing please do this is the golden age of like children's oh, yeah. toys yeah. when they would take R-rated movies and <laughs> turn them into Polly Pocket children's for toys for five-year-olds. <laughs> I wish that we lived in a world like that again. Yes. God. Right. So I had oh. that when I was a little, little kid. And as soon as I saw John Hurt's face this last time, it all just was like, it just exploded in <laughs> right. my brain. So I have, Spin, a, motherfucker. I have a big tangent on my notes. It's all about that. <laughs> I like paused the movie because I was like, I gotta get all this down. While yeah, I this is it. important. Yeah. Um, so the ambient noise of the ship, it uh, sounds exactly like my alarm clock does as I'm like being awakened from mm, a deep sleep. Mm-hmm. So the whole movie, I'm like, am I awake right now? Like, right. Like yeah. just the ambient noise of the ship. It was really fucking with me this time. <laughs> um, and then this is one of like an early movie that used sound to that effect. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was like it was just this pulsing kind of undertone, the subconscious like clawing at you like no just making you feel uneasy mm-hmm. like you felt even before the alien shows up or anything weird happens but like beyond the stress sig- the distress signal and all that stuff like that 40 minutes in the beginning i feel like it is really good at establishing this idea that like this is kind of dystopian this is kind of uh, like not a place you would really want to be you're you're in the the darkness and like the the fucking emptiness of space right you're just doing some job but there is nothing out there. You're in this hellish, <laughs> retro, fucking techno yeah. bullshit 
cargo ship where like two guys are there to fix it right and the rest of the people are there to like run it <laughs> and one guy's a fucking robot well i think i think the, i think the thing i've i've listened to a few uh quite a few interviews with different astronauts over the years and i think one of the most interesting things that they talk about is the contrast of being surrounded by ventilators and machinery and all that kind of stuff and how you don't realize how accustomed you become to your natural auditory surroundings Mm. in everyday life to the point of like like my grandmother lived next to train tracks to the point that when the train went by she didn't even realize it was going by anymore he's like oh he's getting shaky again like oh time to pick this up yeah (laughs) you know it was just sort of like she would just keep talking and she'd just pick her drink up you know because it would vibrate off the table if not and that kind of thing where we get so accustomed to hearing these noises and they just become you know background second nature and then all of a sudden we're out in space we don't have any of that and worse, it's replaced by all this mechanical, just you know, churning and but all even, that stuff. Even further than that, like these people in the ship in this sh- in this movie, yeah, have probably grown so accustomed to that, mm-hmm. that right, it's right. not a big deal anymore. Exactly, for them. yeah. But for us, as the but, viewer, yeah, coming in fresh, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I used to work in a very loud environment, and you weren't allowed to wear earplugs, and I just totally got used to it. I would like make youtube videos and shit while i was in there and then i'd look at it and like you can't hear shit (laughs) and i was like a hundred percent like didn't hear it at all because i worked there for six fucking years yeah that'll do it (laughs) (laughs) so i think that they did good though because i feel like the audience kind of got that way too if the ambient sound of the ship just was the whole movie we Mm -hmm. all kind of just like accepted okay you're on a spaceship you're not in hollywood on like a set right now you're actually like a totally believable and i feel like you're right the sound is very well used in this movie yeah which is not something I'm going to say about the next movie, but we're not going to get there yet. Yeah. Um, so they uh, they have trouble entering the planet, and that looks scary as goddamn fuck. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ! Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Airplanes scare me, and then like a descent onto an alien planet is horrifying. Well, like that that's that's such a. I really wish that I had uh, kind of in, been introduced to this movie before anything like it had already been out. Because I was introduced to this movie, I think when I was um, I was fairly young, but I'd seen a lot of other like science fiction aliens ripoff movies mm-hmm. too. So, like just going into this fresh and and seeing them land on that that barren planet and see like a structure there, like that in in itself is fucking creepy. Yeah, mm-hmm. like why the fuck is this thing here? Yeah, like and then you're thinking, okay, well maybe it's normal, and they're like, nah, it's not normal. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what the fuck this thing is. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, well, like, send a couple out there and take a look. Right. Would you even want to be out there right. looking at it? <laughs> I'd be like, leave me here, please. Yeah, that that shit was scary. Um, I just learned this because I was listening to my friends, Four Nerds by Nerds, and the Geek Peak. They had a uh, they had a Jeopardy episode that they did together, and it was all about horror movies. And they like, so the crew goes on this ship, right? And they find a ginormous alien in there in like this big cockpit. And they, uh, do you guys know how they made it look like the astronauts were so small? No. Uh, they were Ridley Scott's kids in astronaut outfits. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's it. Child labor is great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they find this giant cockpit, and there's a hole ripped through the dude, the big alien's chest, and he's clearly been there a real, real, real long time. Mm-hmm. And then John Hurt 
gets a little i don't know if he gets dizzy or what but he, he takes a tumble into through a uh what do you call it, a fog shield mm-hmm. and into where the alien eggs are and he gets a big old fat uh face hugger to yep. the face through his sh- his suit and i just want to yell at him every time i watch that because i'm like you're in you're surrounded by eggs right now, okay? It's not a foreign concept. It's not like it's some weird cube thing that you don't understand. They look like eggs. You've seen this before. I know you've had eggs. I know you're living in this techno hell, but I swear you have to have eaten a fucking egg once or twice. If there are cigarettes in this movie, there are eggs in this exactly, movie. Exactly, exactly right. They smoke more than me in this movie. That's amazing. Specifically, that dude, he died not that long ago. Go. Uh, the the guy who's Yafakota. rolling Yafakota. Is that his the, name? The par- uh, Parker or, Bre- or Parker? Yeah. Parker. Yeah, and he's yeah. just like, all right, nope. The badass movie. mechanic guy. Yeah, he's uh, uh, he's the best. He's the best. I like my favorite character in that movie. Yeah, yeah, and he's the first one to fucking get it too. It's yeah. real bummer. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! You're talking about the other one, the the Brett. Yeah, the Brett. cigarette guy. He's always rolling cigarettes. He's Harry Dean Stanton. That guy. That's, yeah. that's yeah. the guy. That's a, he's he's his buddy. Okay. Yeah. Which one? okay. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So yeah, he uh, he gets face hugged, and they bring him back on the ship. He they figure out that the aliens have acid for blood. <laughs> Fucking crazy concept. Yeah. 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 And then, you know what? I just want to throw this in there. Like, so Dan O'Bannon, who who also did, I think he did like. He worked on Night of the Living Dead, and he did Return of the Living Dead mm-hmm. as like a side quill kind of thing. Yeah, but he he came up with a lot of the concepts of the alien itself, mm-hmm. like the the weird cyclical birth thing, mm-hmm. and the acid for blood, and like all the weird creepy aspects of the alien. I think he also did Starman. I think he wrote that script. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, Dan O'Bannon doesn't get enough love. He died like decades ago. Right. Yeah, I've never even heard of this dude. Yeah, he's like he's one of the script writers, and he he was like responsible for like I've done a lot of deep dives in Alien, so <laughs> he's a, he, he was responsible for a, a lot of the cool characteristics of the Alien that makes it so iconic. So just like, shout out. What for about Giger? Deep dive. Well, Giger Giger was the visual aspects of it for yeah. sure, but the what life you, cycle like oh, weird, a conceptual yeah, conceptual. Yeah, yes, okay, yes, all right. Exactly. I was gonna say yeah. No, Giger. Yeah, Giger gives you the visual. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's no doubt. The, he's, he's the costume fucking, designer. Giger. H.R. Giger, yeah, he was like the he was like the the art the yeah, he art was a, director. He's a he's a like a big art a, like German artist. I watched a whole documentary on him. Mm-hmm. Man, is he a character? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, well, you watch Alien for a second. <laughs> yeah, all yeah, the fucking yeah. hypersexual. He, well, that's weird. that's all he talks about through the whole movie. It, I like six. It's so it's so. I'm not even going to get into it because I'll talk about it forever. But it's so odd to listen to his perception of. His characters that he's visually created in that in Alien mm-hmm. versus how everyone else perceives them in the whole world. It's, it's like a beautiful, it's like a straw for a it mouth. Really, it really, <laughs> it really, suck. it really is like an artist describing their art versus all of the people that are looking at their art. It no really, one, no it's one qu- ever it, saw yeah, it. Right. it, it it's, yeah, it's poster child, but yeah. Yeah, I love it. And like, so while we're talking about the sexual aspects of it and stuff, this movie uh, apparently is so largely frightening to men because it introduces the concept that men can be raped. Mm Mm-hmm. I just that, learned this. Is yeah. that really like a, a that's like the philosophy yeah. of this movie? Yes, is like wow. it's like a, a a lesson about being raped and stuff, and yeah. how it's an awful thing. Apparently, there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I 
Ash the robot does not want to like harm the facehugger in any way. It falls off. John Hurt seems fine. Everyone's pissed off at Ash. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Hurt gets all fucked up as the alien bursts through his chest. And that's it for him. And that made me sad because I forgot John Hurt was in this movie until yeah. last time I watched it. Yeah. So good. And I mean, he's just lovable he's... as a person. It's sad that he's like the first victim. <laughs> right. <the whole> thing. <laughs> it might be the first thing I've seen him in where he isn't an old man. Like really? I, f- I feel like the next year he was officially an old man, and everything after that. Yeah, 1980. Well, from then it was, on, it was <laughs> yeah, it was a hard <laughs> decade. <laughs> right away, <laughs> just turn him right into. These are going to be rough. Ancient for me. Mariner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <The> ancient Mariner. <laughs> well, all of his rhymes. That's it. That's it. So I'm something I caught this time that I never caught was apparently like as the face hugger was like lingering it was producing silicone from its pores hmm, hmm. so hmm. that's kind of wait was it like a visual representation of that no ash was just or? talking about oh, ash said that yeah, okay he was like talking about what makes it so unique i recall maybe that's part of the line that i recall is that he's like it's basically it's it's a silicone based rather than carbon based life form so <laughs> its structure is like it's it's more more stable i guess or just more like I don't know. The exoskeleton can hold in acid, so I take that as like a super incredible mechanism. (laughs) It's kind of, I mean, like the way that they describe the anatomy of this thing does sound pretty amazing, and the well, the fact that they also have no fucking idea what is coming. Yeah, like they see the face hugger, they think, okay, well, that's it. Mm -hmm. They have no idea that it just impregnated. Yeah, it's all mystery. It's it's life cycles and everything. They <laughs> and they don't even have any idea that it's going to progress beyond that at that yeah. at that point. Yeah, and they're they're really just that the whole um, the innocence about where it's going. I yeah. think creates a lot of the tension in like that like second like leading up to the climax of the film. Without a doubt. Yeah. I uh, I like this movie a lot, guys. I know you're not supposed to just say that a bunch oh, when you're on a podcast, but I really like this it's movie. It's fantastic. I mean, look, if you don't like this movie, I mean, first of all, you had either never seen it. Right. So, watch it. Yeah. Or, you just have bad taste. Yeah, I think Sorry. I think really what it is, is that this this movie presents you with things to chew on, because you ha- you almost draw comparisons if you have the awareness or the information to connect that alien world in the truest sense of the word you know back to our you know our terrestrial our familiar world and comparing and contrasting things Mm -hmm. where because ultimately being the pattern seeking mammals that we are we assume that things are going to be the same wherever we go or relatively within our perception. But here, all of a sudden, these people are dropped in with this creature that they don't understand, at least mm-hmm. the humans do. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it, they, they take their new place below the bot or the top of the food chain. Yeah, exactly. That's right. another yeah, aspect. Yes. This is a creature feature for me. Mm-hmm. I'm huge into like monster films. Yeah. I love monster movies. It's partly why I like sci- like har- sci-fi horror films. Yeah. So this is like uh, definitely a classic epitome of that mm-hmm. demonstration. This when a group of people all of a sudden find themselves not in control right. of a mm-hmm. situation. And this apex predator is just doing its thing. Yeah. <laughs> you are fucked now. Yep. <laughs> How do you deal with that? What are you going to do? 
So Brett is the guy that's rolling joints or whatever, rolling cigarettes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he chases after the cat after the alien takes off or whatever. And Brett's the first guy to get it. And it seems like they watched Brett get fucked up on camera because immediately everyone's aware of what's going on. But they yeah. never really, like, say how everybody's well, aware of there's, what's going there's on. Well, this, there's this scene, if I remember right, like, the, the scene of him screaming his fucking guts out. Mm-hmm. And then, like... There's blood dripping from like the chains and everything. Like when right. that when that fucking <laughs> that's the greatest scene yeah. in the film to me. Like when he's looking for Jonesy, and he's like, "Oh, hey, there's Jonesy," and it's just like some shit drip. But he but the alien is in the background, mm-hmm. and it takes your eyes a second to adjust to it, yeah. and just, you're like, "Oh fuck, yeah. what is that?" <laughs> and then he start it starts unfolding into this massive fucking beast that's that moment for me oh. that was that was my favorite moment because yeah. like my speaking of fears my only fear at this juncture in my life uh is of giant things and so when <laughs> something that something that is large suddenly becomes even bigger <laughs> and not only bigger but obviously something that can move around on its own so like that's that's when the terror grips. 20 foot tall Russian dolls. Exactly. <laughs> Especially if they are shipped in a small box. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I have a buddy. We call him Big John. He's a big dude. And um, he said that like he's not afraid of anything, but he watched a movie about giants. I forget the foreign film. Really yeah. heard Troll Hunter. Troll Hunter. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. That movie had him like cowering behind a couch Man. just because big things scare him because he's is. used to being the biggest thing right, in the room. Right, right. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, what up, John? I don't know if you're listening to this, but go. hi. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> He listened to the last time I talked about him on here. Um, so they uh, they are like, fuck, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. And they decide to break into two groups and hunt for it. I wrote, rookie maneuver. Uh, well, how fucking crazy are you? This part, this is the part of the movie where I'm kind of like, and maybe this is, I just have the bias of the audience member, where I'm like, okay, well, you know one of your guys just totally disappeared and all he left was like a big bunch of blood? Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, this is a little bit more dangerous than you think it is. But meanwhile, Dallas, who's like, you know, f- this forthright fucking foolhardy Tom Skerritt is like, I'm going to go down into the vents mm-hmm. and take a look in the most enclosed, <laughs> inescapable place on the fucking inescapable <laughs> ship in space. Let's, let's make it more claustrophobic. Is there an elevator here that I can jack off on where a monster could just sneak up on me from nowhere? <laughs> what, Tom Skerritt? You talk to the mother. Yes. <laughs> I thought you knew more than that. Yeah, so the captain's plan, his big plan, is um, that he wants to – they find that it's using the the shafts to move around. So they want to take a flamethrower and push him to where they can basically drop him off the ship. Right. And uh, it doesn't go according to plan at all. <laughs> and uh, captain's well. dead. So when captain's dead, that means that Ripley's in charge now. That's mm-hmm. a brilliant move too where because he, he is the almost apparent clear leader – Mm-hmm. Like prior to like Ripley is doing the leadership decision making and the like underneath mm-hmm. of the the general 
like narrative, but he is still like the main guy that you think is just going to, you know, keep everything together in the classic movie sense of like, this is the man who's the hero. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Dallas. Sudden, he's, you know, he's big. Yeah, yeah he's, big, he's big, big old big, Dallas. Yeah, everything's I'm, bigger in Texas. I'm from Texas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wore a big 10 gallon hat. That's right. <laughs> and I like to. I brought it to space. I don't care. <laughs> I'm I mean, so big, I'll fill this whole air vent with my ego. In the later movies, I'm pretty sure somebody does have a 10 gallon <laughs> that's, hat. That's it. <laughs> so, okay, so now Ripley's in charge, and Ripley's like, fuck you, science officer. Yeah. Like, you're the reason everything is bad right now. <laughs> and so she goes to talk to Mother and figure out what the fuck is, like, what, why do they have this, why is the the alien on this ship like they it feels something feels wrong and she basically finds out that it's ash's job to bring the alien home mm-hmm. yeah. and so ash is just like sorry bitch and he tries yep. to kill her with a magazine mm-hmm. and that shit is i've never thought of anything like that before i saw us weekly and they're already shoving it down your throat That's on right. every other platform. <laughs> they're already trying to kill you as it is. Finally, they got robots to do it. They're their dirty work for them. These bastards. <laughs> so, um, I feel like a second ago I wanted to talk about Ripley. Okay, so mm-hmm. Ripley is perhaps the strongest female character I've ever seen in anything. Mm-hmm. The the great aspect of Ripley. We'll get more into this in like the next installment of the, of the second movie. But she she is not powerful because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. She's smart and she's capable because she's a fucking person. Mm-hmm. And she's <laughs> totally developed. She's like the the uh, the framework or kind of like the, the the epitome of what you how you want to write a strong character. Right. Now that doesn't matter like what gender they are. And that's the beauty of a Ripley character. Yeah. Being uh, written in a script that way. Mm-hmm. And you just, I mean, if you want to, if you if you want to know how to write any character, look at how Ripley is written. Well, and it's especially rare, I think, in like it, it being sort of that mashup of sci-fi and a horror movie. Normally, in horror movies, that you have you have to have some layer of intelligence for your main character. Yeah. But deeper than that, I think it's that idea that she is. She is aware of like this is not a game. Yeah. This is not something for you to play around with or study. Yeah. It has acid for blood. We need to get away from this thing because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but acid will kill us. Right? <laughs> It'll eat a hole right through our body, our ship, and outside we can't breathe so good. So we want to keep the outside <laughs> on the outside and the inside on the inside. And this thing is not helping with that. The entire I, crew of this movie is completely competent, though. Yeah. Like, she she is, like, one of the crew, but in, in later movies, she is exceptionally intelligent. Yes. <laughs> but for a bunch of space truckers, they're all, like, okay, we are actually, like, astronauts, too. They're seasoned, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they had to go on the whole, like, the little barf spinning thing, you know? Right, exactly like, right. Yeah, they, get, they, get, they, get, get that. Trip. Get used to that centripetal force. <laughs> you ever, have you guys ever watched the videos of, like, people trying that for the first, like, oh, yes. the tests and shit? Oh, yes. Oh. Passing out. Yeah. All so kinds crazy. of good stuff. I have yeah. not, but I did go on the ride that does use the centripetal force, mm-hmm. and I did I did get stuck to the wall on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's my, my favorite video so is a couple, a couple, a couple, I guess, 
I guess there are a couple, I suppose. It's a the man and a woman. And they're in one of those slingshot things that they have at the fair. And, oh, yeah. and the guy passes out like six times. <laughs> Just, and every time, every time he like comes back, he can, like he like comes to, he's like, ha, ha, ha. And then he looks and he goes, oh, and he passes out again. <laughs> I love this video. They're the best. Skydivers passing out. And shit. Yep, it's great. It's great. Anyway, so um, Ash is trying to kill her, and the rest of the crew comes in and whoops his ass, essentially, and they plug his head back in, and they're like, what the fuck? And he's just like, good luck, essentially. Yeah, right, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> you guys, this thing's really great, and you guys fucking suck, Yeah. so it's going to kill all you, so like, you know. It sucks to be you. Hope you I figure know. it out. Yep. I never even had a soul, so what do you think I care about? <laughs> Yeah, um, so uh, the big reveal is that he's a robot. Um, they decide... Okay, so they make the decision to blow up the ship. And mm-hmm. What a weird twist, though, just just for, for like, just to point out how in that point in sci-fi and film, for Ash to be a robot was, like, fully out of left field. Like, yeah. I mean, for people right. who've, who've watched this movie when it came out, they were probably like, what the actual fuck right. just happened right. here? Because I got monster-eating Harry Dean Stanton in one scene, mm-hmm. and I got this magazine-loving robo-man, fucking hobbit boy, coming mm-hmm. trying to kill our main character. And he bleeds in the next scene. Fucking milk. And he bleeds full has, of milk. Milk, milk, milk. <laughs> the milk man is trying to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> and then Parker's like, luckily I brought some toast. <laughs> oh my god. I was fucking, that's why it makes me love Parker, dude. Yeah. Fucking, he gets he gets like his chest ripped open because yeah. of that fucker. Yeah. And then he's like, I don't care anymore. Let's just burn this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> gotta burn this thing. Burn this thing. He's him him and Rip, he and Ripley really are like the central characters in my yeah. opinion. Mm-hmm. And then and like uh forget her name, Veronica Cartwright, the the other like the other female uh, her name person who's is, left. Uh, Lambert. Lambert, mm-hmm. yes, Lambert. Lambert is almost like the uh tip like the, the stereotypical female representation in a horror movie. She's she's like kind of losing her emotional like uh no, she's losing ground. Her shit. Yeah. She is completely and and I don't disagree with her. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty much in full agreement with her at that point. It's like, we just need to get the fuck out of here now. Like, I don't, I don't want to hunt this thing. Let's go. Right. I'm all, I'm on board. But you know, the whole hysterics and everything. That's that's the typical. I think that juxtaposition is a little bit of what makes Ripley feel more capable, mm-hmm. and her taking the command, you know, position as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's so good because like before she like got rid of ash the ripley like fucking demoted him and shit like right yeah. she, she was like i'm not jamming around now. with you anymore yeah <laughs> so and like you clean the milk off of the poop deck yeah piece of shit and, and then fucking lambert is like what the fuck is going on and they're just like you know what let's blow the ship yep like this that's We're gonna it take our chance time <laughs> so ripley goes looking for the cat Yep. And uh the other he two humanitarian. Right yeah, there. that's right. She uh, loves the cat. I, lo- I would I would too. Mm-hmm. They go and grab like fuel. Is that what they're grabbing for the other ship? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think so. They're grabbing like the tanks, the like, oxygen tanks or whatever. Yeah. Like cuz cuz Parker and Lambert go up by themselves. Yeah, they need something to to fuel the burn. Fuel yeah. and coolant. Yep. That's what it is. Yep. So, there you go. Uh Lambert 
gets the alien drops right behind her and she freezes flight flight or fight flight or freeze she got freeze yep and uh the other dude is just like jesus christ Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) he basically says get out of the way so i don't barbecue you right and uh she doesn't and that is the reason he gets got and he gets the tail he gets puncture that's it yeah yeah well he yeah he gets his he gets his head fucking blown out his brains blown out the back he hooks him like fucking texas chainsaw massacre style that's right they go toe to toe and he he literally he's like he becomes a shishka bob yeah right right, exactly and and straight through that's it and their favorite part is the brain Mm -hmm. and then of course lambert doesn't last much longer after that right of course then you hear like her just getting murdered over the intercom yeah Yeah, that's rough (laughs) it's fucking horrific (laughs) for like no 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 leave it on leave it on leave the intercom (laughs) on Keep, it, keep the button pressed. <laughs> Mother, turn it up. <laughs> When's the remix? I'm Eli Roth. I love torture porn. Turn that bitch up. Um, so then Ripley gets on the ship. She finds the damn cat. Jones. Mm-hmm. Jo- Corporal Jones. The that's cat. that's Corporal right. Jones. <laughs> Might as well. He's my, he's my superior. <laughs> leave him I couldn't leave him behind. <laughs> So uh, she puts Jones in the pod and she like takes off and there's a bunch of like, try and blow up the ship. Don't try and blow up the ship. What's going on here? And the end of this movie is like a countdown to explosion. Mm -hmm. This is important later in the podcast. Um, So uh, that is how this movie starts to end. She flies off into space in the shuttle pod. The multi-million dollar uh, fucking spaceship millions of dollars yes of this course cost 40 million dollars mm-hmm. in 2077 so. that's like five thousand bucks <laughs> that's, right. that's a that's a used hyundai <laughs> in philadelphia it's worth 50 bucks <laughs> <laughs> so she blows that shit up and it turns out the alien is on the the survival pod with her man that thing is intelligent fuck and so she suits up gets uh she dresses down into her less than attractive underwear yep uh, (laughs) then she uh she gets into her space outfit and shoots it into space there you go off we go motherfucker right out the door See ya. And it hangs on to where the like propulsors are, and it gets blasted by those before it is completely careening through space. And yep. that is the end of Alien One. There you go. Does it does it require oxygen to survive? Or nope, apparently not. So, what are you guys overall overarching thoughts? Do you think I should keep this disc or should I dump it? Alien One is definitely a keeper. I'd say no doubt, no doubt about it. it it's it should be among your hot like most prized uh films in my opinion yeah this this ranks really high for me and i would say it's pretty unanimous like but just the the pacing the atmosphere the time the timelessness of the film itself mm-hmm. it's like an evergreen film it's iconic it really is yeah and everything from which like every other science fiction alien based film like takes a page out of this particular book right it's just it's kind of a, like a lightning in a bottle perfect scenario mm-hmm. I, I personally happen to like uh the film the thing a, a little bit more than i like sure, alien sure which mm-hmm. has the same atmosphere you know isolation monster you know scientist that yeah. kind of idea yeah however that personal preference aside this is this is a perfect companion piece to the like 
alien monster science fiction horror genre. Right, right. Mm. I agree. And um, it is a tough rewatch through the beginning now. Yes, it, yeah. it definitely is. It's, it is, th- I think that is the uh, main indicator that it is from 1979 because there is definitely uh, a, a very pronounced shift in film from the 70s to especially to modern day mm-hmm. where you know the attention span of people these days is about you know three seconds mm-hmm. uh, and so everything happens really fast there has to be constant action or at least some advancement of the plot you can't have these establishing shots and all that kind of stuff right. people don't have the patience for that but but i think at the time it really did help to set the mood. It helped to set the isolation of everything. That mm-hmm. idea that it's—I like the setup. I mean, yeah. I know it does seem a little bit long, like knowing where the rising action action is going. But that's actually a testament to how good the climaxes are mm-hmm. in this film itself, because you know how good they are, and you're just right. waiting for them to come. Right. Um, I I do think that the whole setup and like just watching the cool science fiction, I uh, um just the set dressings and the mm-hmm. design establishing that world I, I think it's cool I, i'm a huge fan of blade runner as well and those right. are actually like like kind of uh, companion pieces sure mm-hmm. and that they exist in like the same universe they do i didn't know that oh you didn't know that i did not yeah. know that yeah so yeah. If, if you see like you know like the purge you mm-hmm. know like that that whole command mm-hmm. that and also the whole like uh analog tech all that's actually blade runner was was released like three years after alien <clears throat> and Sid Meier did the same art design from like Aliens uh, um, ship design and everything, the architectural design in Blade Runner, and he reused a bunch of stuff, and Ridley Scott, of course, directed both films, <clears throat> so they actually are tied together, and that's even further pushed along in Blade Runner 2049, mm-hmm. when the Sulaco, the ship that we'll talk about in the next portion of this, in this Aliens movie, is seen in the uh, sky of Whoa. Blade Runner 2049. So they're actually like all a cinematic universe. Little Interesting. Wink. I did not know that. I love yeah. a good cinematic there universe. You there yeah. you go. Interesting because I, I, full transparency, I just rebought these movies in mm-hmm. one box set that had all of them. Yep. Except for Alien vs. Predator, which we do need to talk about off mic. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. We need to talk about how we may or may not talk about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the uh, the ship and all that crashed. I liked it a lot. I don't think I'm going to get rid of this one. I do yeah. have it on Blu-ray also, but I do not feel the need to get rid of my DVD or my Blu-ray. Of yeah. This. Yeah, like, absolutely. I really, really like this movie. So, yeah, um, that seems like a good place for us to take a break, and when yep. we get back, Aliens. Here we go. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Distump Podcast featuring Matt and Matt from the Kickstart with Matt and Matt. This was intended to be a big, long episode, but we went on for much longer than I intended to. So I'm going to break this one up into two parts, and uh, you're going to get a bonus episode this week. So stay tuned to hear more from us. Until then, bye!